this is my wonderful, beautiful wife. Um, the great thing about uh, being a pastor sometimes is you get to joke with people, right? Like there's nothing better than someone asking about the promise center, not knowing you're the pastor, or you invite someone, they don't know you're the pastor, and then they show up, they're like, wait, you're speaking? Yeah, sometimes they let me up here. But my favorite is when I say, they say, oh, come to the promise center. Oh, is it good? Oh, well, the pastor's okay, but man, I'm in love with his wife. And they're like, what? And then they find out she's my wife. That's always fun too, but... Um, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad we get to teach together. Me too. You guys, there are three keys to a perfect, they say, yeah. stress-free marriage. And when we find them, we will let you know. We will let okay? you know what that Okay, because we like. just don't know yet. We're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, but what we do know is that uh, God has given us some blueprints uh, for winning in marriage, for growing in marriage, right. and we're going to just kind of share our hearts, and I hope that's okay. Yeah. I hope you're not offended or upset. We're just going to talk, and the great thing is, is that now that clock doesn't matter at all, because right. we don't have anything after this. Actually, we kind of do have a luncheon, but anyways, um, the, we, we, we're going to have a little bit more latitude, so um, those stories Tell that you were telling her. we were yeah. married. Yeah, we married. Could, w- married 17 years, and this is our family. These are our cute littles. They're not so little anymore. And uh, Josh was 16, Emma's 13, and Judah's 10, and we love them. They're amazing little people. And um, Chad and I met, um, and he came, came and preached for your dad. Came and preached at our church. The anointing hit her, and she chased me for several months. Was that begging what me it to was? Marry. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it was really cool. Like, my parents just asked him back for, like, a second and a third time, but there were motives, okay? My mom and dad loved Chad. They so. kept having her picked me up from the airport to bring me to the church, so we fell in love. We fell in love. That's right. So why don't we do this? Why don't we do a little icebreaker? Yeah. Why don't you tell me, uh, tell, tell our studio audience. I've, already, um, told, <laughs> I've to- already told you, but I can tell, tell you guys. Tell, tell the studio audience what, um, maybe something that drives you nuts about me. Well, just the one thing. Be kind. The one thing. Um, yes. So there's this thing, you guys. He's gotten actually progressively worse about this thing since we've been married. So it started out that he needed a dark room, which I do too now. I'm totally a dark room person. When we Mm -hmm. go to sleep, the room has to be totally pitch black. So, But I had to get the blinds, the blackout blinds, and then I had to get the blackout curtains Mm -hmm. over the blinds. And now he is propping pillows against the blind lest a ray of light might come in in the morning. And ruin your sleep. It is right. so intense. And he also says that any blue lights or red lights from electrical outlets wake him up that his skin can feel it. It's, the, it's science. I just want you to take that in. How <laughs> many like a dark, a, dark, cold room? I get Come a on, dark somebody. Room. That's next level. It, it, and and I'm, I'm slowly converting her, right? So this is a thing because what, what, what you find if you go, and it's not about in the morning. I wake up really early. It's about at night. We have these street lights in our street, and they come right in through. So I want everything super dark. And there's little, like the, the TV has a little red light, so I'll hang clothing over it to block the light. Socks. So our, our, it looked like a laundromat, you know. But um, anyways, that's, that's my issue. Um, mm-hmm. One of my things that was very tough in the beginning that we've worked through is um, my in-laws are, are kind of strong, strong people. and uh, <laughs> that, was, that was not in our notes. I know, but in-laws were I want to be honest in front of our studio <laughs> audience today. Um, oh. And so when we first got married, there was like this, like, hey, so just so you know, like we do like, like Christmas together, Thanksgiving together. Um, we, do, we do Labor Day, Fourth uh, of July, Memorial Day. And, and you have Earth Day and President's Day and Groundhog Day with your family. And there was like this immense amount of pressure. So we've worked through that. We've finally got our schedule done. So that would probably be the, I mean, the other things like you lose your keys every once in a while. And sometimes. Like the mi- water bottles in the back. I mean, I have the mom car. So of course I have stuff rolling stuff around rolling in the back. Like, in the back that and it kind of drives me nuts. So anyways, yeah, that's so that's uh, the icebreaker that we just want to let you know. We are normal people, kind normal. of normal people. Anyways, um, we think marriage is a really big deal to God. And we think it should be a really big deal to us. We think it should be a really big deal to you. It's a really big deal in this house, okay? And our conviction is this, is that humanity, humans, are not the crown jewel, the pinnacle of God's creation. Okay, we, creation, he made man, and then, and then he rested, right? And people say, humanity was the pinnacle. No, actually, 
The Bible, when we describe it in Genesis chapter 1, he made a male and female, that marriage is the crown jewel. When God decided to intervene in the world, he always used family. There's something about family and couples, Abraham and Sarah together, and what he did through them, making a nation, a people, their faith. And so, I believe in the individualistic work of God. I believe that if you're an individual here and you're single here or uh, you're an individual in a a marriage, I I get that. There's an individual value that God has on you, your relationship with him. I I get that. But we do believe that God established marriage from the very beginning, which in just a second we're going to read about. But we just want you to know that we we believe that there's a a high, um, there's a a paramount and, 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 and high value to this thing about marriage. It's not like, and there's marriage. Marriage is a big deal. If we get this right, so many other things get right. And I'll give an example, and then I'll I'll let you come in here. But there's a story of a guy who had 10,000 devils, okay? He was, they call him a demoniac. Jesus delivers him. The guy's like, I want to follow you, Jesus. These guys in the town, they were trying to bind me up and mess me up. And I don't, I I don't, I want to follow you. I'll follow you to the ends of the world. And this is what Jesus said, powerful words, go home, Mm -hmm. go home. His heart was changed. He brought that change to his home, and the city that kicked him out a few months later was welcoming Jesus. Miracles happened, and this began a cadence of the next six months of a miracle ministry that, that took place. It took one heart that was changed, that made one home change, that changed the city, changed the region, and all of a sudden a revival breaks out. So we believe that if our hearts can change and our homes can change, the world can change. That's right. our conviction. Absolutely. Our, our matrimony is our testimony. How we treat each other mm-hmm. in our relationships is a huge testimony. And I, I've decided, like, I don't want to just survive in my marriage. I want to thrive and, and be completely the healthiest us yeah. that we can be. And this is really cool. As I was reading through all these marriage books, um, the, there was all these amazing statistics that show that if you're married and you're in a healthy marriage, healthy, yeah. you're less likely to get pneumonia, heart attack, cancer, and that we have better sex than singles, and we live longer. So everyone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. If it's done right, it's wonderful. If it's done wrong, it's like a brick to the face, isn't it? Uh, it's, sure. Not saying that we have, <laughs> but uh, okay, we'll get to that. Anyways, um, so we're going to read some scriptures. My wife is a brilliant person. She's a great reader. She got an English degree from Santa Clara University. And I barely passed Bible college. So I'm going to have her read all the scriptures. <laughs> and I'm older than you. And you're older and wiser, which oh. she reminds me all the time, okay? Um, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, 20 through 25. Now, when you read the Bible, you think, man, if this is so important, um, marriage will be all through the Bible. It, it, it is. It's mentioned um, there are, you know, the qualities of, of Christianity move into our marriage, yada, yada, yada. But when it comes to structural and and things that we say, these are the predictable structures. These are the things that we should expect. These are the ideals around marriage. What you find is in the New Testament, they constantly point back to Genesis chapter 2 because it's intrinsically connected to the creation story of of man and woman. So we're going to read the story of where Adam becomes Adam and Eve, where Adam um, finds his wife, and we're going to find that structure and that idea of what the end goal is. So the end goal of marriage is actually find, found at the beginning of the Bible, not at the end of the Bible, okay? So we're going to read this, and, and I want this to open some things up in your heart, and then we're going to give you some tools and stuff and tell our story, okay? Yeah. So let's go Genesis chapter 2 and 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals, but for Adam... No suitable helper was found. Okay, so this is important, right? Because there's something natural inside of Adam. He's looking, he's longing for this partnership. He's longing for it. So he's created with this echo in him that says you were created with this. He's looking, he's pursuing, and he's naming all the animals. And while he's naming, he's going, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but it's not me. It's not me. And so it, it, these are different kingdoms. This is not of, of my kingdom. There's, there's the animal kingdom. There's the, there's, the, there's, there's the cat kingdom, the, the canine, the feline. The, and so we, we even find in, in science that, you know, a canine, you know, a cat and a dog. How many people are cat people here? All right, cat people. Okay. I can't come to your house because we're highly allergic, but, but thank you for the invite. Um, how many dog people here? Dog people? A lot more dog people. How many have dogs and cats? All right. And some of you are like, I wish we could cross-pollinate them and they would have beautiful kids. Cats and dogs cannot cross-pollinate because they're of a different kind, of a different class, in a different kingdom, right? So you can't get a dog and a cat to create a dat or a, a cog, right? There's no such thing. So, so Adam's looking. He's like, these are not of my kind. 
And so the first thing we find is a standard that he's going, this is, this is not the sameness. There's a need in me, but I have to, it has to be on the same level, okay? So, so that, that's the first thing that we find in the text is that this is a desire. The desire is not wrong, but it has to be on the same level. And so what happens is we're going to find that God intervenes. So God is the provider of our greatest need, okay? So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Now, this is a beautiful picture of what's to come with Christ. He's the first Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. So Adam is not the Messiah, but he's so much like the Messiah that he, he had to lay down. He laid down his life. He's not the Messiah, but he's so much like the Messiah that out of his side came a bride. Just like Jesus, water and blood flows out of him. So this is a beautiful picture. So marriage is made from the very beginning to look like Jesus in the church. Mm-hmm. From the very beginning. We can go more into that, but we're not going to. So what, what the point is, is that there's an imagery that we are going to continue to point to in our marriage. Marriage isn't like, oh, it's fun, it's silly, and we like to have sex, and we like to... There, there's more to it. There's something deeper and more intrinsic, spiritual, that happens. And if we catch that, then, then marriage becomes all that it's called to be. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Okay, so this is really important because what we find here is that Adam knew God before he knew Eve. Mm -hmm. Eve knew God before she knew Adam. Both had been touched, and in a relationship, God literally walks Eve and says to Adam, here she is, Which, which means that that there's, a, there's an element of singleness that you have to understand, that, that there is, in, in this point, it, it, it reminds us that there is the pre-marriage point that can't be underestimated. If you're already married, like, well, it's done, you need to go back to those points because those points are still living in you today. Something in you, because covenant has maybe to die today, that's something in it, and we'll talk about that in a minute, because, because how you date and how you live single will determine how you prosper um, when you're married, okay? So this is really important. So they both had a relationship with God, okay? Both were being formed. Adam is getting surgery and Eve is being formed. Both are being formed and changed by God before they meet each other. That means we don't waste our waiting. There's a season of singleness that's really important. You want to speak into yeah, that? Absolutely. That, that singleness is it's not a wasted season. It yeah. is absolutely a part of the process. Sometimes we are so anxious to get out of the season we're in. We just can't wait. We can hardly, you know, even think that like how god can you be in this season this is lonely this is painful this is not what i signed up for and god is absolutely wanting to make us whole i mean i i started talking about all this and you know some of you remember that movie jerry Maguire, right and tom cruise is telling renee zellweger he's like you complete me and like all, like all the women are like, yes, we all want Tom Cruise to say you complete me. Just kidding. We don't want Tom Cruise to say that. But, you know, it's true that there is like. <laughs> I had to, you better I, not. No, I don't. Kidding. Babe, you're way hotter. You're Thank amazing. Thank you so much. So the thing about that is, though, is there is this innate need for us to be completed. But the issue is, is we are not going to be completed by even our spouse. We can be fulfilled and happy and so blessed, and it can be amazing. But first, we have to go to our source. Yeah. There is a God-shaped hole within us yes. that if we don't go to God as our source, I can't find what I need from him if I have not gone and completed that hole in my relationship with the Lord. Does that make sense? So good, yeah. So if I make, if I make her the source of my strength and to right. fulfill me, then whatever I idolize, I'll ultimately demonize when yeah. she falls short of being God. Yeah, we're, we're humanity. We are broken. And so sometimes even in our best days, we're real people. So if you're single here today, we want to encourage you. You're not an endangered species, right. okay? You're not the lung, luggage on the conveyor belt at the airport yeah. that no one's picking up and nobody wants and no one's claiming, Yeah. okay? Um, you not may a be sickness sco- yeah, you're, you're waiting not, to be healed right, from. Right. Um, you know, some, some people are so like scoping and hoping and, and single and ready to mingle and they're, they're on the search, want to ring by spring, and they're so on the search that they don't develop. Right. And so we like to say it like this. Um, you want to say that right there? Yeah. Single life is not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. Isn't that good, you guys? Yeah. I think Chad came up with that. That's so good. You're so good, honey. I am 
uh, the question that we ask here is, thank you, by the way. You're welcome. the compliment. Yes. <laughs> see how long it took me to see that? Okay. Uh, <laughs> the question we ask here is, am I becoming the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? Right. That's the question we always ask when we, when we talk to singles. Like, you're, this is not, you're not an endangered species. Don't waste your waiting. Mm-hmm. Prosper where you're planted in the season that God's put Amen. you. First uh, Corinthians chapter 7 and 20 uh, says, each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. That means it, that doesn't mean you're going to stay in that situation forever, but this is talking about marriage or being single. Mm-hmm. So if you're single today, like, prosper in your singleness. Mm-hmm. If you're married, prosper. You know, like, it's funny because you talk to single people, like, I got to get married, and people that are married, like, I got to get, I, I want out of this thing. And if we just, like, stop and go, hey, I'll prosper yeah. where Discover I your giftings. Am Fulfill your planted. passions. Do mm-hmm. all those things while you can that, you know, not that you can't do that once you're married. It's but a lot harder, especially after you have kids. Yeah, yeah. I remember when my dad was like, we were trying to finagle our way. We're like, let's just get married and I'll finish my senior year. My dad's like, nope, you're finishing school, then you can get married. And it's a lot harder if we would have done that and, and gotten married than, than school. Very wise, very wise. Very wise. Verse 23. Are we on the next page here? Mm-hmm. Thanks, honey. See, he's so good. The man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. So these five verses, are, are they, they hold the keys and the pattern to what marriage is supposed to look like. I love this because bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, that means there's a connection that's so much deeper than just, just oh, we're, we're married and we, we're going to procreate. There's something like when she's upset, I feel it. Come on, somebody. When, when she, we're connected, like, like her nerve endings, emotionally, physically, spiritually, like they grew into me. And I'm like, I can feel it. Like even when I'm like, hey, are you okay? She's like, I'm okay. I'm like, you ain't okay. <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm feeling it right now. Yeah. Okay. So there's this connection that happens in marriage that's much deeper than just, you know, being physical or, you know, having common goals. But the way that God makes us one, he's like, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Now, right. that, that doesn't mean that Heidi literally came out of, of, of my, my, my side and I'm missing a rib. What it means is, is that he connects us in a very, a, a very indelible way that I don't have with anybody else on this planet. Right. Okay? And I shouldn't have with anybody else on this planet. Most affairs happen emotionally before they happen physically. The, the stats on, on um, ad- adultery and, 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 and cheating are it starts always emotionally. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's an hour limit where they, they say certain amount of hours together with, with, with someone. And all of a sudden, you start connecting. And, I, you know, and so you just got to be careful with that. You got to be careful because this, this right here, this is the sensory. And I want to I stay here. I want to stay here. Mm-hmm. I want to know how you're feeling. I want to know right. what you're going through. I want to I work through what you're feeling. Right. And when I'm upset or I'm, I'm calm and I'm cold and she feels it, everything okay. And we're, we're made to, to work and vibe off of that. Right. To the be connection. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Okay, this is a big one. Now, when I talk to uh, young dudes who are getting married, I always read this verse because this is my go-to. So where there's authority, there is first responsibility. This is our responsibility, guys. Now, in this passage, I've often thought it would make more sense, especially in the days of maybe Jesus, more, um, you know, um, the days where, you know, men would establish their life and then the wife would be engrafted into that inheritance and, and that estate or whatever. It would make sense for a woman to leave her husband and wife, uh, sorry, her, her father and mother and cleave to her husband. Doesn't that make more sense? And yet the Bible says that a man's to leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. That means that there is a first a responsibility on the man that brings the authority. That means first, what this tells me is this, is that I shouldn't have her, expect her to chase me. Number one, I'm the chaser. 
Okay, she's going to sleep on the couch. I'm sleeping on the couch with her. Okay, if there needs to be a conversation, I'm going to I'm going to initiate the conversation. I'm not waiting on her to investigate the marriage and 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 sensory. You know, maybe we should get counseling, dudes. Let's assume responsibility. What I have found with Heidi is when I lean in an inch, she leans in like like a foot. Whenever I lean, I'm leaning out. She leans way out. Like like. I, I'm the first indicator of the lead measure of how our marriage is doing. So I've assumed responsibility. Maybe that offends you. Maybe that upsets you. It should be too. It should be half and half. Well, sure. But this scripture tells me a man is to leave some things. I can leave some patterns. I got to leave my old bachelor life. I got to leave the ways that I, that I brought into this world. Even the patterns of my culture from my family, I got to reassess it to accommodate the culture of her heart. Right. Yeah. Leave mom and dad and accommodate the culture of her heart. So important. So good. And if you don't take that responsibility, you'll have no authority. Mm. Just kidding. I won't drop the mic. Sorry. <laughs> it just felt really good. It's good, honey. Um, can I say one more thing before yeah. we go on? Yeah. There's this hormone called oxytocin that goes through people's bodies. It, 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 it's, it's, called the, it's called the love drug, okay? When you get married, it's there. You're just zinging, oh my, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, okay? Not, it's not sexual, per se, but what it is, it's I feel in love. So when I counsel, when my wife and I counsel, one of the things we ask, uh, and they say, I, I, I'm not in love anymore, we say, wait, are, do you, are you out of oxytocin? Yeah. Because what, what I have found is my wife, you know, changing diapers and all, you know, she, she's got... She, a world that she's running and living and, and, and all of the responsibilities as a pastor's wife, yada, yada, yada. I mean, you remember the days where you, you had diapers and, and you find out one of your kids is no longer in diapers, but they were in the same underwear they've worn for two weeks. And ah, you don't feel in love. But what we have to do is create breaks. Guys, we have to assume responsibility and go, you know what? I, I got to take her on a date. I got to get her out of this pattern, out of this world. I got to take her on a nice date. She dresses up nice. All of a sudden, oxytocin. Yeah. Go to a wedding. Oxytocin. Oh. Oh, it's just, they're so pretty. The couples are, honey. You know what I mean? Like you're like, yes. You know, and, and, and you got to understand that it's not. We, I don't feel in love anymore. Lo- love is a, choice, is a choice, not a feeling. It is a choice, right? It's a choice, not a feeling. God didn't say, "I command you to feel your love for your wife." No, it says, "Love her." Acts of love, despite your feeling, right? And there's so many times you don't feel like you love your spouse. I mean, I'm going to be real. There were times I was like, I don't know, but I love you <laughs> anymore. But the point is, I knew I had made a commitment, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to the Lord in front of my family and friends to choose to love you when things were like good and bad and ugly. Yeah. That's it. Like we love each other, yeah. like truly. And I think, you know, and we might not be able to do a date in the oxytocin. We might not, it might not be that simple to like get out and do stuff like that. But women, we need the connection point. We need the coffee time. Like yep. nothing makes me happier than when Chad like brings me coffee and he's like, let's talk in the morning. That's our time. Like I love that time with him. We need our heart connection. We need to bridge the gap of things that might've crept in and, yep. you know, brought distance between us. So, so good. So good. Uh, verse 25 says Adam and his, and Adam and his wife were both naked she says it wrong. I say, I'm in the South. We say, naked. Nope. Nope. Naked. And they felt no shame. <laughs> All right. So they were naked. I don't know how you do that. Um, I mean, I don't know how you say naked. Okay. Um, so they were, th- this is the goal. So this is, this is the crescendo, right? The goal is, and this is not talking about like, I don't have clothes on. All right. Okay. This is talking about fully known, fully, fully loved. loved. Yeah. This is what marriage is. There's no secrets. Right. You know everything about me. Now, there are couples, there are marriages, uh, there, are, there are people that are married, and they go, oh, we, we take our clothes off. We are intimate. No, you're not. You have so many secrets, so many things they don't know about you. I'm surprised at how many people, well, we got a separate account. I got a secret password. I got other friends. And all of a sudden, you find there, there is no intimacy because there's no purity. Mm-hmm. And we have to fight for that. This is the goal. Fully known, fully loved. Yeah. Secrets lose their power when they exit the dark. Yeah. So when we are allowed, allowing each other 
to be a safe place where he can come to me and I can come to him and we can confess things like I need you in my life. You need me. And like we've learned to be a safe place where we can come and talk to each other. And there isn't that distance. I mean, the more space or things that we allow, like you could, we, we feel it that we're like growing apart, but we don't allow that. Thank God. And we learned that early on in our marriage, even if things were uncomfortable, there were tough conversations But we were like, we're going to do this because I don't want to just get to the end of my life and be like, oh, I had an okay marriage. Yeah. I want the best marriage that yeah. God has for us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and couples do the complete opposite of what they're supposed to do. They keep it hid. They keep it buried. They don't talk about it. Yeah. She's the one who God has given me to set me free from the things that I, I can't share with everybody. I can share with her. Yeah. These are my struggles. This is what I'm going through. The victories of my life are not because I did them on my own and now I go, I'm a winner. It's because I came and said, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm losing and I'm confessing and I want to talk it out. And she's done the same. And when we were, when we were naked and, and with no shame, that, that is what, that's what marriage is. Yeah. Amen? And so, like, there are things that even in my life, like, you know, partially because I'm a pastor and partially because I just I, I want the end of my days to be the best of my days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've created, I've set rules in my own life, right? I mean, she has access to my phone. There's no deleted anything. I don't have emotional conversations with girls, and they don't text and, hey, how you do, how you feel? I mean, I don't do that. You know, there's times where it's it's information, but but she has access to that. I don't walk out of rooms and go, can't hear that. I mean, there's there's no secret because where the secret is, that's where the sickness grows, right? Yeah. right? Um, even this is kind of, it seems like a funny thing, but I grew up in a church where. You know, we weren't allowed to hug the opposite sex. We didn't, guys and girls could sit together in church. So it wasn't like guys over here, girls over here. It was just as a practice in the youth group, they said, we don't want you hugging girls. So like, I've kind of like, it's kind of like a thing for me, but I, I'm, I'm glad. And it's just kind of still a thing. Like I handshake and fist bump. And you know, if, if an older lady is like, hey, come over here, I'll go side hug. I, it's not a thing. It's my thing. It's not your thing, whatever. But, but I just have some things in my life where I'm like, at the end of the day, I don't care what you think. I care about what she thinks. We can't meet. Sorry. We have some service pastors and some leaders that are female that would love to meet with you. I'm not going there just because I don't care what you think. I care about what she thinks because this is where I'm being healed. This is my transparency. Yeah. And so, anyways, I, I think you've you got to have that and, and uh, so important. Yeah, and, and there is a difference between honesty and transparency. Honesty is when the person asks you a question that you'll confess. Transparency is going to the person before they even ask the question. Can we just stop right there for a second? That's so good. So good. Honesty is me going, hey, are you struggling? Yes, I'm struggling. Transparency is you initiating going, I'm struggling. Yeah. That's massive, guys. It's huge. That's what God wants for us. And God intended for one another to be our champion. When I'm weak, he's strong. Yeah. And when you're weak, I'm strong. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about relationships. You know, you call me to be better. Like, you really do. You challenge me. And, and I think that's what God intended, to really bring the best out of each other and to be that safe yeah. place for one another. And you call me on my stuff. I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> Unashamed. But aren't you glad? I'm so glad because... And we'll talk about this in a little bit, but, you know, you don't realize how unhealthy you are. Um, and, and, and marriage is not about making you happy, per se. It's about making you holy. Right. It's about, it's part of our development. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, but I want you just to recognize this before we move on, that the first demonic attack in the Bible, I want you to know what it looked like. It wasn't just the eat the fruit. Eat the fruit. It's good. You'll be like God. It started with the first action. Satan went to Eve. Mm-hmm. He did not go to Adam and Eve. The demonic attack was to divide right. and to start her with a conversation that was different than the man that God had put her with. It could happen to the man. We're on different frequencies. Right. We're starting to see different. Our opinions, in fact, the Bible says that, that Eve was deceived and Adam wasn't. They both sin, but out of, out, of, out of a different nature. And that's a whole other theological conversation. But the point is, <clears throat> is that the, the enemy's attack will always come solo, keep you solo, keep you isolated, keep yeah. you wandering by yourself. 
because you're powerful together. Right. You're powerful together. Amen. You're powerful together. Amen. Amen? All right, we got to move on. So good. I love that marriage is covenant versus contract. The covenant is based on mutual trust, and contract is based on mutual distrust. So covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibilities, and contract protects rights and shirks responsibilities. Yeah. That, that's good right there. That was worth the price of admission. Uh, I hope you heard, like we're hearing that. Covenant surrenders rights mm-hmm. and assumes responsibilities. That's what, a, that's what a covenant is. And then a contract uh, protects your rights. It's all about protecting. Mm-hmm. Don't get harmed. And it shirks responsibilities. What's the least I have to do? Yeah. There are people who are married who are in a contract right now. And there's others who are in a covenant. Now, there, there's the order of covenants. My, the first covenant I'm in is with the Lord. That's my first covenant. I have, been, I have been engrafted into a covenant that was with Abraham. Abraham had a covenant through faith. Okay, That's the first one. All of the endowment, all the inheritance that God promised Abraham is mine. Okay, that, I'm a part of that. Inside that envelope is my second covenant, and that is to my wife. My third is my kids. My kids are not number two. My kids are number three. Now, I love my kids. I, I, I mean, it's in my nature to love my kids. It's, it's actually many times easier to love my kids and easier to love my spouse. But th- my, num- my boo is my number two, okay? God's my number one. My boo is my number two. Because if I get this covenant right, all the descending, uh, cascading covenants in my life are better. You ever notice when your marriage is... You know, on the fritz, everything else is on the fritz. So we got to get this right. Got to get that right, and I got to get this right. So a lot of couples, what happens is there's this there's this weird bell curve in this in the stats that the first two years are the hardest, and then there's this drop off. Divorces happen around uh, year year two, year three, and then it comes back up. It's doing good, and then it hits at about eighteen to twenty five years. Weird. Why? Because they found empty nesters. Two couples who all their affection was on the kids, they became strangers. They stayed in it for the kids. Now they're gone, and they don't even know each other. They're covered and afraid, not naked and unafraid. They're fearful. I don't know you. And so they live for the kids. Everything was for the kids. And so we, we believe that if, if this is right, we're going to be better parents. Absolutely. If this is right, our kids will be healthy. They see their mother and father be able to work through confrontation, to be able to kiss in front of them, love them, going, hey, make, ma- you know, make macaroni and cheese. Mom and dad are out on a date. Sayonara. Hope you don't blow up the house. We're going to be good. Our kids are old enough. Just kidding. But right. we want them to see that, that this is, this is paramount in our lives. It's so important that you are a united front. Yeah in front of your kids and that they don't pit me against him, you against me, that thing. I've seen that, you know, where you see some parents, I mean, you got to be united front where you're loving each other, you're honoring each other, you're speaking, um, you know, respectfully to each other in front of the kids. That's super important. Yeah. So good. Um, There's a scripture. I don't know if we read it. Did we already read it? Each person? Did we read that? I don't think we've read that yet. Let's read it again if we did. Uh, each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Did we read that one yet? Okay, I thought so. Yeah. Did we? Yeah. Well, we, this is We've our fourth time our four speaking, times, guys. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like, sorry. it's a blur. Yesterday, we had 27 pages of notes. We're down to 13. So, um, I know. I know. And um, her, her notes are so eloquent. Mine are all, like, color highlighted and goofy. Anyways, so anyways, we're, um, we're going to get through it. So, uh, let's get to contentment. Because there, there is there is this thing where we we we've got to resolve, resolve the we got to resign ourselves to the idea that it's in the marriage that God is going to do a work in me. Absolutely. But we but we have to fight fair. We have to play by the rules. And I want to talk about the conflict and the crucible real quick. So Heidi, will you tell us about the crucible? Yeah. As I was preparing for this weekend, the Lord gave me a word, crucible. And so, of course, we know, you know, in general, I was like, oh, crucible is where, you know, things are heated up and, you know, gold is, can be made in a crucible and all that stuff melted down and, and into rings or whatever. But when I looked it up, it was so amazing. The first definition is a ceramic or metal container in which metals or other substances may be melted, subjected to very high temperatures. And then second was a situation of severe trial or in which different elements interact 
leading to the creation of something new. And I just thought, wow, isn't that relationships, isn't that marriage that God uses the crucible of relationships to heat us up and to reveal the junk that we didn't even know was in there? And I'm not just talking about with your spouse. God uses the crucible of relationships with your mother-in-law, with your coworkers, with your dad, with your siblings. I mean, these are things that if we will allow God to really do a work in us, we can be purified and refined through that. And and matrimony is one of the greatest mirrors (laughs) to see yourself. Yeah. I love this. I think it's kind of a silly joke, but someone said... There are four rings in a in a marriage. There's the there's the engagement ring. There's the the wedding ring. There's the boxing ring, and then there's suffering. Have you heard that before? Horrible. Um, That's horrible. I know. First Corinthians seven and twenty eight. We're gonna read this. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter seven and twenty eight. Uh, you want to read it? Sure. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. I'm like, that's encouraging. <laughs> Thank you, Bible. So let me tell you real quick about our story, just just really quickly. So on paper, Heidi and I should have had the, the easiest cheese and crackers, most wonderful, skills far from the sky kind of marriage. Um, she went to middle school, high school, college, a strong Christian, had her convictions. Everyone knew she was a believer. Um, you know, she, she just an, an amazing, an amazing uh, person on so many levels, right? Um, a pastor's daughter, um, yada, yada, yada. I could go on and on. Um, I grew up, both my grandparents were pastors, so I'm a I'm a pastor's uh, grandkid on both sides. Both my parents are pastor's kids. Um, so grew up in church, serving in the church, went to church four or five times a week. I got drugged when I was a kid, drugged to church, drugged to church again four or five times, um, served in the house, loved, loved God, um, didn't have sex, all that stuff, right? We get married, and all of a sudden we realize we're both super unhealthy. Now on paper, should have been peaches and cream. On paper, but in the real life, it was hell. Yeah. In fact, we got we got you know we 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 for a year dated and engaged and we never had a fight. We were like we're good. We got this. We People saved, would be like we saved it married, all for marriage. We're yeah. like, hey, when we're you get just married, it's gonna be hard. We're like, no, not us. We got this. We got married. We're on our honeymoon in in Hawaii. Let me tell you the backstory. We're in in Hawaii. Um, a friend of ours said, a person that went to our church, uh, went to my, my, my home church in Texas, was like, hey, you can, you, you can use our condo. And we were like, oh, that's awesome. So we're gonna, you stay as long as you want. Well, let's go to Hawaii for two weeks. It sounds great. They're like, take it. We get there, and the condo was in the ghetto, and it was stinky, dirty, moldy. And he's like, I'm not staying here for my honeymoon. So all of our cash for spending and having fun was spent on a hotel that we could not afford. So we were poor in Hawaii on our honeymoon. Okay, that's what That, that started the uh, consternation. Anyways, so we're on day, like day five, six, seven, eight. I can't remember what it is. Right in the middle of like, how many, how many Hawaiian shave ice can yeah, you live off of? Yeah, that's what we survived on. Like, <laughs> banana right here. This is the fruit source, okay? And just, you know, the pancreas is like, stop eating sugar. Um, but anyways... Uh, you wanted to take a picture. I want to take a picture. I've got, I've got the dispo- Remember the disposable cameras. So I'm good. We're in the middle of like Waimea. There was like a big waterfall. Big waterfall yeah. way up there. And so I'm like, I want to get a picture. And she's like, no. Double- hold on. Hold on. He, he goes down low. He's like, I want to get you with the waterfall. I was like, babe, I've got like triple chins. Do not go down that way. You got to go up. You got to go high and then like get it like that. Which so, I would have just got the little pond, right? It's so dumb. It, you know, aren't the fights, mostly they're about dumb things. I mean, let's be honest. Ours so, were at least. This is our first big fight, and it lasted about three or four hours. You know, it was like. I was like, oh, my God. What have I gotten devil. myself into? You're rebellious. You're a fallen angel. So rude. She said things. I said things. Yeah. You know, we're starving, you know. I'm like. <laughs> and Woo. so the first two years of marriage, like. like yeah, it's really funny. Rough. People have told us, they're like, yeah, our first year of marriage is really tough. I was like, Really? Ours was like the first decade. That's cool. You just got like one year and you got it out of your system. Like really, I'm not just saying that. We hit our stride at year 10. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's so amazing because we were two of the most stubborn, yeah. strong-willed people. But the truth of the matter is that God knew I needed a Chadwick King and God knew that Chadwick King needed a Heidi King. And Absolutely. we're both two strong leaders and that the Lord was going to use all this to someday the encourage crucible. you. Yeah. Encourage crucible. you. 
You can do it. You can Ephesians do it. Ephesians 5 and 33 says this. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This dichotomy here is so important because you've you got to get this, guys. Ladies, you got to get this too. The wife, what she wants is love. Right. Men, what we want, we want love, okay, but what we really want is respect. Right. Right? Can't get no respect, you know? We want respect. We want respect. And so we interpret everything based on our greatest need. Yeah. So I leave clothes on the floor, not very often. Mm. Okay, sometimes, a lot. But she'll go, he doesn't love me. I'm not saying that she says that, but that's how her filter filters. And, and, and Heidi's like, hey, don't turn that way, turn this way. And I think, she got no respect. She didn't know I can know how to drive. And, and that's our filter, right? So, so this is the proverbial standoff. And it's important because what I, you know, one thing that's like kind of interesting that I've learned, and, and now I got a scripture we're going to read in just a second, is that what I, what I need, sometimes I try to give her, but that's not what she needs. I respect you. That, that's not what she needs. I need to know what she needs. Mm-hmm. Not what I need, so I give it to her. There's a scripture in uh, Ecclesiastes. This is the love doctor. His name's Solomon. Let's put it up on the screen. Um, Solomon says it like this, and if you, if you, if you read it out of context, you're going to be like, I, I don't know what this is talking about. Ecclesiastes 11 and 1 says this, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. That's not talking about feeding ducks at Howarth Park, Okay. What it is 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 you send you send out basically in the agrarian culture you send out the ships right you know out of the port full of grain and when they come back from those foreign countries trading you get spices and you get linens and you get all kind of cool things you you you, you what you what you're wanting isn't necessarily what you have to give and you got that's a relational thing so what I need in the relationship, I need, I need touch. I need aff- affirmation. I need sex. That may not be what she wants. Come on, babe. Let's just, and, 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 and so you have to interpret that and be wise about it. What she wants is to feel loved. What yeah. I want is to feel respected. And so that's a dichotomy that we have to manage, and it's not easy. Sh- Shanti Felta, fabulous author. You can look her up, listen to this tape again, um, find her. Most men would rather hear the phrase, thank you, than I love you. Isn't that wild? Most men would rather hear the word, thank you, than I love you. There's something in us that wants to be affirmed. You did a great job. You're a great husband. Not roses are red and violets are blue. Now, there's some, there could be people who are like, I just need, I need the romance thing. But, but in, in, innate inside of us, we need uh, the, the respect element. And, and basically, it's a proverbial, proverbial standoff. Sometimes we, somebody has to break the cycle. Yep. Somebody has to say, I'm going to love you. And you're going to love me. We're going to respect each other. But somebody's got to die a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part is nobody wants to die in the relationship. I mean, really, when you apply that principle to love each other like Christ loved the church, yeah. you know, I love that. That so many times you're like, okay, what does that mean? Like you probably are not going to have the opportunity to take a bullet for your spouse, most likely, in our lifetime. But dying daily, yeah. you washing the dishes even though you don't like it, me, like once I've gotten in bed and I'm like comfortable and I'm exhausted and he asked me, can you go get me a glass of water? It's, it's preferring him. I usually say, can you give me a glass of Wawa? That drives her nuts. It's so weird. I'm like, ah, Wawa. Hubby's thirsty. Glass of Wawa, please. Please, God, tell me that some, uh, someone else thinks that, like, no, Wawa. Nobody does that. Yes, they do. Raise your hands, right? Raise your hands. (laughs) Just kidding. Nobody wants to raise their hands. The point is, is like... Drives her nuts. I don't know why I do it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Oh, it's not a big deal. But, you know, we had to learn how to do that. Like, honestly, he hated dishes. True story. He did say this at the beginning of our marriage when I asked him. (laughs) He said, I don't do dishes. I was like, really? I don't do other things too then. (laughs) You know? (laughs) But he learned very quickly. She trained me. He actually, in fact, does dishes. Okay? So there's the five love languages, right? There's, right? there's gifts and acts of service and quality time and affection and affirmation. Gary Chapman, fabulous. But if, you if you're married and you haven't read it, uh, please read it. Please read it. Please read it. And yeah, again, so good. you know, you get your, your language that you speak, your, your natural language. I speak English because I grew up in a home that speaks English, right? Some of you are bilingual because you, you a home that spoke Spanish and English. So you, you picked up languages based on the culture. So we pick up our love language, how we express and hear the love language based on the environment. So my family... Uh, communicated love very differently than her family. So I come to the marriage going, I love you, I love you, I love you, but in a totally different language. I'm affirming her, I'm rubbing her shoulders, and she's going, don't rub my shoulders. 
there's some dishes that need to be done. Hers is acts of service. Actually, I really do think I'm like all five. I'm super needy. <laughs> I'm like, I like gifts. I like acts of service. That's horrible. Yeah. I'm That's massaging her shoulder while doing dishes with one hand. Your gifts in the back. Maybe I'm How are you doing? It. What are you feeling? You know? You're a good man, honey. Thank you very much. I'm trying. Uh, you're good. I'm trying. So we, we've had to learn how to talk correctly right. and communicate correctly. Other. Yes, we've had to learn how to communicate. The Geneva Convention was the, 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 the rules of combat, the rules of war, the rules of battle. So they had four different uh, conventions. The first one was in 1864, I think it was. 18, I have it written down somewhere. 1864, that's right. And... It was basically like, hey, if we have a prisoner of war, you don't torture them, you don't hurt them, you feed them, um, you don't shoot someone who doesn't have a, a weapon, da, da, da. All, these, all these rules of engagement, which are really good, right? There's going to be battles that break out in Europe. Europe had a lot of battles, and they go, let's at least create some, so we're not, we're not barbarians, right? right. And, and, and so at the end of the day, we, you have to create rules on how we're going to engage. We're not going to say D word. the D word, divorce. divorce. We're not going to We undermine. might say the M word, murder. Murder, right, yeah, <laughs> but... Uh, but we're, there's certain things we're gonna that we, we're allowed to do, but there's a lot of things that we're not allowed to do, and because the the point is is not win lose right. or win lose, it's win win. Right. Absolutely. Like if I win and she loses, we both lose. Yeah. We we have to communicate yeah. to 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 move the ball forward, not just to kick the ball around the field, but to move it forward and get yeah. it in the goal. That's the we're goal. We're either bridging the gap and getting healthier and moving towards love, or we're moving away from that. It's hard to remember that when you're in the heat of the moment and they've said that trigger word to you. You know, we all have our trigger words or things that they do that drives us crazy. But, like, in that moment, I want a better marriage. I want us to win and not go for the jugular. Super important. Um, do you want me to tell the, the kicking? Well, let, me, let me do the credit card uh, analogy real quick, and then you can tell, you can confess your faults before okay. your I have family. no problem. There's okay. healing in confession. Um, so this is a principle that I think is really important, and, and I want, like, we can all relate with it. And it's about going quickly, right? You, you pay for delay. You pay for delay. And there's, I, I can't tell you how many couples, like, they just keep burying, they keep hiding issues that they've got to bring forward. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not naked and unafraid. They're, they're not exposing. They're not, they're, there's still shame. There's still guilt, whatever. It hasn't been covered. Love covers a multitude of sins. It hasn't been covered. And so um, what happens is the principle, like a credit card, right? You have $1,000 on your credit card, and you pay the minimum now. What happens? interest compounds and so later what do you do you pay more so we say it like this when when you do the minimum right now you end up paying the maximum later okay you pay the minimum now you pay the maximum later and that's what a lot of couples are doing it's compounding and what you don't see is this debt just keeps building up deep inside of the other person and we, we got to deal with it so so don't go to bed angry don't 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 let things just kind of go on like deal with it now like, let, let's, let's take the mask off. Let's deal with it. Let's talk it out. Let's walk it out. Let's get some counsel. Get into Simba's. Get, get a, one of our pastors in a room. Get two chairs. Let's talk it out. Let's just not let it fester and turn wow. into a cancer in our soul. Come on. Come on. That's good. Okay? So good. So let's talk about getting upset at night. So this was our first year of marriage. I just have to qualify. Young and little immature? crazy, okay. immature, all those things, selfish. We all were working on these things. And we had had a disagreement, and so we're, we're lying there, and he is in front of me, and I'm lying behind him, and he's just out. He is just... Sleeping. Out, just... Big argument. It's time for night-night. Got my wah-wah, and... Uh, oh, Jesus. Help me, Lord. And when you have peace in your heart, oh, you no. just rest well. When oh. you know you're not wrong, <laughs> just sleep well. That's ignorance, honey. That is not, no, that was not the rest of the Lord. Anyway, so he's just like out. He is just totally, you know, no, no worries at all. And so I start replaying this fight that we had earlier in the day. And the more that I thought about this fight, the angrier I got. And I'm just like, he is asleep and he doesn't care. And something came over me. I do not condone this and I do not agree with violence, but this is what I did. I reared my leg back as far as I could get her. And then I just let it fly. And then I just, I mean, it just, boom. He's like, oh. I was like, oh, honey, bad dream? Bad dream? And guys, the truth of the matter, I did not confess to that. I don't even know when I finally did confess. Oh, I was like, months. I've got something to tell you. Remember when you had a bad dream? I kicked you as hard as I could. You didn't just wake up on your own. I still have a limp. I'm still limping from that. So not true. But, it, but we don't do that. Do not, do not result to our, what is it? Revert. Don't revert to violence. 
talk things through. Don't let the sun go down on your anger like right. I did. Good. So let's talk about forgiveness really quickly. Page 10, we're almost finished. Yeah. Uh, you want to read that page again? Yes. Thomas Jefferson said, if you have to eat crow, then eat it while it is young and tender. How about that? Is that wisdom or what? If you if you got it, if you're gonna have to deal with it, like de- like sooner than later, sooner yeah. than later. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I talked to a, a a husband just recently, and he said, "I've been holding this in. I've been burying it. I've been losing, mm. looking at stuff, doing stuff. I just can't talk." I said, "The longer you wait, yeah. Naked and unashamed. There's there's mercy. Yeah." Not just in honesty, but in transparency. Like, make it known. Bring it to the light. Right. Your struggle is real. It's going to hurt. Right. It's going to hurt your, your, your wife. But if you hold it back, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's going to overtake you. You can find healing. God gave you a remedy. Yeah. They were naked and they, they had no shame. That's the goal. That's the goal. That's the win. So we got we to gotta confess and do it sooner than later. Fourth century so theologian. Lord, deliver me from this lust of always trying to vindicate myself. That was Augustine. He said, "Powerful." There's a lust in us to always right, be right. Yeah. And you can be right, and then still lose. We're not growing. We're not learning. And we will repeat what we don't defeat. God, give us the strength to defeat, and to win, and to grow, and to be changed. Amen. In Jesus' name. Um. I want to put up really quickly the um, the four horsemen, and then I'm gonna, we'll, we'll let you uh, talk to us and close and pray for us. The four horsemen um, by John Gottman. Uh, the first one's criticism. The second one is contentment or, or contempt. Sorry, contempt. Uh, the next number three is defensiveness, and number four is stonewalling. Um, criticism is where we Criticize, criticize, criticize. Some, someone does something, they're trying to do good, or they, they make a mistake, and we criticize them. We impugn them. We belittle them. The, the next is a contempt. There's a, there's a disdain. There's, a, there's an underlining hate. I, I hate this person. I hate who you are. I, I, and, and you can see it. Maybe they don't say it, but it's in their eyes. It's in their demeanor. Number three is defensiveness. This is when you, no matter what you say, it's like it goes negative. No matter what you do, yeah. they're defensive. They're offended. They're wounded. They're, like, they're wounded. So even if you touch, try to touch to help, they, 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 they leap, they jump, they, they bite. And then stonewalling is like, I'm going cold. I'm going cold. Cutting you out. I'm, I'm first emotionally cutting you out. Then physically I'm cutting you out. Mm-hmm. And then now my mind, my heart is, is, is over the wall looking somewhere else. These are four indicators that you've got to find, that you, that you had to look for. If these are in your heart... Mayday, 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 honey, I see these things. Husband, I see these things. I, I want to bring these to the light so they do not take me down in the darkness. Yeah. Amen? Because there is healing after pain. There is healing after failure. There, there is healing yeah. after suffering. Yes. There is yes. healing yes. Yes. Absolutely. in marriage. Every marriage that I've ever talked to, anybody, anybody, especially those who made in the longevity, they're always like, oh, yeah, year nine, year 20, whatever it is, we went through some things. But by going, they went through the crucible and they were made better. Right. There is no marriage without conflict. But yeah. the conflict is the crucible that makes us who we're to be. And it's so funny sometimes that we forget. We have to go to the Lord about these things. Yeah. I didn't fix Chad. You didn't fix me. Yeah, that's true. I remember specific prayers that I prayed about our marriage, about Chad, about me. Lord, help me to see myself. It is really hard to see ourselves. You know, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, and we just wonder why they're not doing what they need to be doing. It's easy, you know, to see the the speck in our spouse's eye, and we've got this giant log hanging out of our own. And really, we just have to get vulnerable. We have to ask God to help us to see our stuff and to reveal it and to invite God into that because it's God that does the healing. It's God that does the work. And I absolutely know that it's God that has brought us this far. And that was something that as we were preparing for this weekend, and I was, I was praying, Lord, there's so many things I want to say, but more than anything, I just want to testify to you. There is healing on the other side. There is healing 
that God has for us. That if God can do it, and these two stubborn mules, that God can do it for you. And um, it's so beautiful. I want to read this, this to you. It says, healing doesn't mean that the damage didn't exist. It means that the damage no longer controls our lives. That I'm choosing to walk in victory with my spouse. That I speak words of life over my marriage. That I'm not going to repeat the same conversation killers or thoughts that bring no life into my marriage. And that's something God wants to do in our relationships and not just with our spouse if you're single or if you've, you've had wounds from people in your life and you're wondering even maybe, God, why did you allow this? I mean, there were times where I thought, Lord, I gave you my life. We're surviving off $400 and preaching the gospel in a month and we're praying for like the next meal. And I'm like, Lord, this was supposed to be at least fun in the sacrifice. And God was in the midst of it. He was in the midst of the struggle. He was in the midst of the brokenness. He was in the midst of the times where I didn't know if we were going to make it. And God brought healing. And not just healing, but abundance. And that's what he wants to do for us. He doesn't want you just to survive. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be made whole. He wants to use these relationships in our life to really do a beautiful new thing. And restore means to bring back to a state of health, vigor, to put back to a former place, to a former position. And the Lord gave me the scripture, Isaiah 58, and it was so incredible. I, I've just been, honestly, guys, I was just like weeping with the burden for our marriages and for our relationships to be whole and healed. And it was so incredible. I had a friend text me. She goes, it's the craziest thing. I just feel to text the scripture, Isaiah 58. Is that in your heart and that is your spirits? And I screenshotted my notes. I said, that is what I'm ending with. And I just want to speak this over your life, over your marriage. Isaiah 58, 11 through 12 says, I'll give you full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles and strong bones, and you will be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry, and you'll use the old rubble of past lives to rebuild anew to rebuild the foundations from out of your past and you will be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins and rebuild and renovate and make the community livable again. Come on, that promise is for us. That promise is for us today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So let me pray over you right now. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that you are in the middle of our brokenness. That you're closer to us in our times of weakness than even in our times of of happiness and joy. God, we feel your presence. You are there with a brokenhearted God. And so I just ask you, Abba, Father, for those that feel no hope, that they feel like there's so much destruction, there's been so much death, there's been so much rubble, that God, how can there possibly be any new and good thing in this situation? But God, I declare it to be so in the name of Jesus. God, I ask you to highlight the places that we are blind to. I ask you to reveal to us our hearts, our selfishness, our brokenness, things that we don't even recognize so that we can be made whole in you, God. That we would not just survive, but God, that we would thrive in our relationships, that we would be Jesus to a broken world, that we would be light and salt, that we would be overcomers. God, that you would give us abundance in barren places, God. And so I speak healing right now. I speak forgiveness right now, Jesus. You're doing a supernatural work in every heart, God. Things that people have held on to, things that maybe that we've held on to over our spouses, things that it's been difficult to let go. And that doesn't mean that the damage wasn't done. It means that we're not going to let it control us anymore, God. That you called us into a place of victory in Jesus' name. God, you are for us. Your word says, if you go for us, who can be against us? So we declare that right now in the precious name of Jesus. And would you just all say amen, amen in Jesus' name. Amen.
if you're if you're here with your spouse, would you just take the hand of your spouse? Uh, I want to pray for the couples really quickly. I want to pray for boldness. I want to pray for boldness that our our couples will be bold. Like I don't know what it is. I know why it is. I know why we shamefully hide things from the person that we're supposed to say, this is it. There's nothing hidden. Not just my body, but my soul, my struggles. I just want to pray a boldness that you would have the courage to bring you to light in matrimony, the greatest mirror. Because you're going to win. You're going to defeat that, that bondage fear, that struggle, but you're not going to do it alone. You weren't called to do it alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Adam and Eve were vulnerable, naked, no shame, fully known, fully loved, fully known, fully loved. Bring that back into our homes. Bring that back into our marriages, Lord. There's victories coming. There's victories coming. We confess walk it out, we talk it out. Every struggle, every failure, God, there's so much love and grace that we've all received and we can give to one another. I thank you for healing that's coming. I thank you for repositioning us. I thank you for healing us. Healing hearts, healing minds, healing marriages. In Jesus' name.